0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Classic Rock Podcast for this Classic Rock Podcast Extra Edition. Now, sometimes, as is the the case here, we talk to uh, a great many people, actually, over the course of the year and have uh, really interesting, informative conversations with uh, new and classic rock uh, musicians and bands. We end up editing uh, a lot of it, not using some of it. And that would have been the case here because I was talking to uh, Screaming Jack Novak, John Cusimano, for those of you in the know, of uh, Fastest Land Animal. And uh, originally, we was just it was just going to be like a five to ten minute piece centerpiece music in the classic rock podcast. And then we ended up talking for about half an hour, 30, 35 minutes. And actually it was a, a really great conversation talking about the band, the influences, the whole thing. So I thought, do you know what? It needs an outlet of its own. So here it is. This programme is all about the the new. uh, Some bands you may well not have heard of before. So, Screaming Jack Novak is coming up. Also known, as we said, as John Cusimano and his band Faster's Land Animal. They've been called New York's best kept secret. And if you listen to the new album that they have uh, released in recent weeks, you'll hear why. It's called East Coast, West Coast, In Between. And he sums up the album by saying... We love taking beautiful songs and making them sound mean and nasty. And what you get is an album stuffed with songs, none running longer than three and a half minutes, very finely crafted new wave rock pop. In fact, actually, rather than label them with a a genre... It's one of those albums that you just put on if you're putting it on for the first time and you're listening to them for the first time. But before you know it, the album's over and you've been smiling for about half an hour and trying to sing along with songs that you don't actually know. Uh, So we're going to be featuring that and uh, John in a couple of minutes' time. And you'll experience firsthand just how insanely catchy some of these uh, songs are. suits the seasons as well as we're coming into summer. Just a quick reminder if you've missed any of the recent shows then tune in uh, just a week or so ago we had Gary Pieces and founder member of the Guess Who and Derek Sharp on and also on that show Robert John and The Wreck who've recently released two albums and have just released uh, a great new song as well. Uh, Richie Faulkner, Judas Priest, and Elegant Weapons is also on one of the recent shows, along with the ever young Dave Brock of Hawkwind. Uh, their album, The Future Never Waits, has been receiving rave reviews all over. Great album. And coming up. On the full classic rock show in a week's time, just over a week's time, we're going to be talking to legendary drummer Denny Carmassi, who worked with Ronnie Montrose on Montrose, as well as... A CV that boasts a who's who of uh, rock royalty, including, uh, what, seven, eight, nine years with Heart when they were at their pomp in the 1980s and produced that uh, album, Bad Animals, incredible album. Uh, and we'll be talking about that and also on that show Robin George as well and he has a great story to tell one of the most talented of players of the 1980s who always appeared to be permanently on the brink of getting the break that his talent deserved and it never happened Uh, but he still forged a highly successful career we're going to be talking to him as well now, just before we get to Fastest Land Animal, something else that you may not know. John Fogarty is on tour playing the songs of Creedence Clearwater Revival this month. And uh, yes, we know what a legend he is. But do you know about the talents of Shane and Tyler? That is Shane and Tyler Fogerty, his sons. They're actually on tour with him. Uh, their band is called Hearty Ha. Formed in 2012, and they blend modern psychedelia, psychedelic rock, and classic garage rock and roll. And the results well, it's a pretty impressive stuff with a really quite cool vibe. And if you've not heard them, then here's your chance. <laughs> Good, isn't it? That was Shane and Tyler Fogarty's band, Hearty Ha. They're going to be playing support with their father on his upcoming whistle-stop tour. Around Europe playing the music of Credence Clearwater Revival. Uh, if you go to their website, heartyheart.com, uh you'll find all the details about the band. You'll also find uh, a great video there as well, uh, live at Lost Canyon. And uh, look out for the album Radio Astro. <laughs> it's a good title, that as well, isn't it? And now we move on to New York City's best-kept, secret, fastest, land-animal vocalist, Screaming Jack Novak, a.k.a. John Cusimano. He's got a story to tell, so I caught up with him in New York City last week to talk about the band, the new album, East Coast, West Coast, In Between, how it all started, you know the the, uh, theme and how it works. And so to take us there, this... Another one of those insanely catchy songs off of this album. East Coast, West Coast, In Between. I want to talk about the, uh, the the name of the band because the the influences uh, that, that you talk about and this sort of new wave punk era the seventies and the eighties there there were some great band names certainly in the yeah. UK we had you know things like flock of seagulls the teardrop explodes uh, China crisis Blamange and where did you get fastest land animal from?
1: Well, I had that. I thought that was a great name for a band and I'd been carrying it around for years. And, uh, I was, you know, in, in another band, um, called the cringe for a bit. And, um, I never liked that name, but we were kind of stuck with it. So finally one day I started this new band and I Googled fastest land animal. I figured that that name's not available. It's too cool, but it was available. So, you know, we, uh, we Adopted it and uh, you know, fastest land animal is a cheetah, as we all know. But um, I, I just thought it would, you know, the, the idea for, for fastest land animal was originally no songs that are less than 150 beats per minute, which is pretty fast tempo for yeah, yeah. For me. So, uh, and the idea was to have it be you know, punk, punk new wave influenced type of music. I guess the first album's a little. Less new wave. Uh, this album's a little more new wave influence, uh, but the idea was fast, hooky, you know, heavy, rocking music, um, just to get you know, to sort of hit people in the face with the speed in the in the guitars and the drums, but uh, but hook them in, you know, hook quick. Like a fish. Yeah, with with the as they say, don't bore us, get to the chorus. I guess. That's the
0: <laughs> I like that. So you've yeah. you've been described then as the epitome of cool. You produce, you cook, you mix drinks. You're a lawyer, you've got a famous wife, you write great three minute songs. So, so being you looks like a, a good place to be.
1: In fact, um, it's funny that uh, this is audio only because uh, this evening, here in New York, I'm in New York City right now. My wife is getting inducted into the Broadcasting Cable Hall of Fame, and uh, so I, you know, you'd see me in, in my uh, my black tie and tails and top hat right now. You know, I'm a, the <laughs> nine. To
0: four. Yeah. I like the uh, sense of humor, as well that goes with you guys, because okay. if somebody gave a researcher just said, "Look, we got this new band coming on." Uh, the, you know, the best kept secret in, in New York, they call Fastest Land Animal, go and get me some info. You're quite likely to come back with a pile of stuff and you're sitting there thinking, well, hang on a minute, who is this? You'd end up wondering who the actual you was. Was it the, obviously I found out, the alter ego, the man that grew up in rural England with a nanny and three rock rottweilers, yeah. uh, or the uh, educated lawyer who got accepted to Barclays School of Music and then decided your parents right, and you went and got a trade and became a lawyer. So this uh, this humor element is is pretty cool.
1: Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I it goes with you know the ho- whole punk eth- ethos, I guess. But um, well, with the exception of maybe the Clash, but you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Um, you know, the Ramones, the Sex Pistols, uh, the Damned. The, you know, these are bands that. You know to me they really are what punk rock is all about like uh just you know have have don't just don't take it all so seriously and um and by the way the uh raised in rural England with a nanny and three- Rottweilers was wilders <laughs> direct re- uh, reference to the omen the uh the movie the omen. yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> you should have named yourself Damien screaming <laughs> Damien <laughs> Novak.
1: Yeah, but isn't that, uh, Damien is the uh, the singer from uh, The, the Damned, right, so... Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was already taken.
0: Hey, so tell me, when you look back, right? do you wish you'd actually rebelled a bit more against your, your parents and actually gone to Berkeley and become a musician right from the word go?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'd I, 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 I wonder, like, if one ripple in your life changes how does that affect the rest of your life like you know who knows maybe i would have gone to berkeley and i'd be like you know the next mick jagger or maybe i would have gone to berkeley and i would have been i don't know selling used cars you just you just never know um so i definitely you know it, it was uh this the safer maneuver to, to yeah. you know not go to uh, to go to law school instead of going to music school, uh, but in retrospect, yeah, I think that's that's a a, <clears throat> a bit of a regret in, in my life. But you know, my I'm pretty happy with with where I am. You know, so was
0: the the idea the the alter ego? Is it was this to divert away from the profile that you've got day to day? Because obviously, you've got a significant profile, and rather than have people focusing on that, get them to Tune in, listen to the band to produce these very finely crafted three minute um, pop new wave songs and just get them to focus on that.
1: Yeah, that was right. exactly that was uh, the whole reason for this was. Um, uh, well, I had a bunch of songs that I liked and they were all fast, but I wanted to do have no preconceived notions like um, I did, for better or for worse or maybe for no nothing at all. I just didn't want people listening to this, to this thinking, "Oh, that's I know that guy. That's Rachel Ray's husband. I've seen him on TV, or uh, I I know his, his other band, uh, the Cringe." So that's why we changed our names and we in we were incognito for that you know that first album, um, and uh, we it was really fun to to sort of track the initial reactions to uh, our music when we first released it we, you know, we were, people were wondering, who are these guys? It, like, we we had uh, very flattering comparisons to, you know, are these the guys from Eagles of Death Metal and Queens of the Stone Age? You know, who, so, um, <clears throat> so mission accomplished, in, you know, in that regard. Tim? I was going
0: to say, there's a, there's another band that's, uh, got a, a foothold quite a foothold over in the US but struggles over here uh, despite the fact that they're they're an english band and they produce really really catchy songs uh, they're called the struts
1: oh yeah sure they um it's funny my uh, i played uh in a cover band last night it was my wife's um rap party for her tv show and we played could have been me it was one of the songs ah.
0: we- great song it is. Uh,
1: it's such a like a like an arena like crowd so they're not big in, in England
0: no nah. you could literally uh, you would struggle to get people in the street knew who they were wow. unless they knew them if you see what I mean you know if you, if you listen to music within that sort of sector then you will know who they are but yeah, it's it's very very strange because they managed to pull in guests from all corners. I mean, I think Joe Elliott's done stuff with them. I think Robbie yeah. Williams, who's a you know a, a real pop star, pop star over yeah. here, has done stuff with them. So yeah, I That's mean funny. they look good, but it yeah, just shows.
1: I mean, their their live thing is really dialed in. Their singers, you know, charismatic, and the songs are good. It's funny. Rob- Robbie Williams is the opposite of that. Like he's really popular in England, and he, ne- you know, he never really. He had like maybe a hit, hit and a half in, in the U.S., but he never really broke through. You know, in the way. Like, yeah, no, no, I get it. In, in London, right?
0: Yeah. Now you you talk about those uh, punk and new wave influences that you had when you were a teenager, or late seventies, early eighties. Were you drawn more to the likes of? The Ramones, the New York Dolls, Iggy Pop, or to the the British movement, you know, Susie and the Banshees, Elvis Costello, oh. and the attractions Joe Jackson, that sort of stuff.
1: I mean that you're that's like, uh, what do you like better, steak or lobster? Like, I, I don't know, <laughs> seen, like ten of my favorite bands in a row. But, you know, when I when I was in. Uh, you know, when when that music was coming out, I was I was I guess the first thing I heard was probably the Ramones, just because they were around first. Um, and you know, being a, I grew up in in New York uh, in the as we call it the, the New York uh, metro area, um, so the Ramones were were on our you know was on, was on the radar for me like since you know early on. But oh man, like you know Joe Jackson, I've seen him in concert maybe three times. Got you know, got all the. I have a pretty nice vinyl collection. I've got.
0: um, What's your favorite Joe Jackson track?
1: Track. uh, Yeah. Maybe, either "Got the Time" or it's different for girls.
0: Yeah, it was such a good song. Was such a good song Matt.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was the. I mean, he's he's another one like you could definitely fastest land animals is influenced by those first two joe jackson records big time i mean you know he had he he would have a ballad here and there but most of those songs were were like you call them new wave but they were punk songs just like really well crafted punk songs you know
0: he went out and did a lot of uh, jazz didn't he and jive i remember stepping out uh, yeah, it was the album, wasn't it? He did that track called Jumping Jive. Well, he made you an nine an foot an album tall album. when you're four foot five. <laughs> yeah, he did
1: an album called Jumping Jive, which was all big band, like Cab Calloway type. Yeah, bands. they're all you know, and people that I was like, what is he doing? But uh, you know, it's a, it's a fun album for sure.
0: Now you might have all the, the the punk rock ideology, but let's not get away from the fact here that you are a very highly accomplished musician yeah you were <laughs> learning piano ages to stick to your jazz lessons uh is it true that you, your father taught you the guitar basics and told you that listen there's three chords listen to bob dylan learn those and you can play a million songs
1: that's exactly what he told me he taught me uh i guess it was c uh, g c d maybe or um oh, hold on, let me he taught me g G, C, C and D. He may have taught me A and E too. So A, E, D. Um, e, A, D rather. And he said, yeah, he was a big Bob Dylan fan. He's like, look, Bob Dylan's based a whole career over those three chords. All you got to do is is do that. Um, of course, you know, Bob Dylan's lyrics are otherworldly. So he didn't tell me that part, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're proficient in... 57 instruments is that true
1: i don't know if it's 57 but uh
0: somebody counted <laughs> i
1: uh it's probably my wife i can play um i'm a good rhythm guitarist i you know i'm i don't i'm not a lead guitarist i'm more of a rhythm guitarist and i write a lot on guitar uh i am a pretty accomplished pianist i, I mean i i play classical music every day tchaikovsky uh mozart beethoven uh Chopin and I can play jazz like that's that's my technique wise I'm, I'm definitely the most accomplished on piano I could solo I could you know th- that's where I kind of show off um, and I play drums and I play banjo I've uh, I love playing banjo that's a lot of fun you know five finger- <laughs> string uh, like Earl Scruggs style banjo um,
0: and you you talk as well about how driven you are as a as a person, as not only as a musician, but as a person. And to underline it, you talk about the, the hard graft, the hard yards that you put in. So you still, you practice piano, playing literally, it says, every day. Uh, and de- you aim to write at least a song every week.
1: Yeah, I'm part, uh, um, a good friend of mine is uh, a singer-songwriter based out of Austin, Texas. His name's Bob Schneider. And he has this uh, thing called the Song Game, which I've been a member of for, it's got to be 18 years now. Uh, and there's maybe like 18 to 20 of us singer-songwriters in, in the game, and every week Bob sends out a word or a phrase uh, via email, and your, your task, as it were, is to write a song incorporating that word or phrase, and you turn it in the following Tuesday or whatever it is. Um, and the idea is not to comment on anyone else's songs. I mean, if you want to write them privately and say, hey, I really dug your song this week, that's fine, but it's not about um, grading anyone or judging anyone. It's just forces you to exercise that songwriting muscle once a week, and I guess the idea practically is at the end of the year, you've written written 52 songs. Maybe most of them stink, but there's got to be at least eight to 12 either great ones or decent ones or ideas there that you can there there you know workshop into a song and then you have an album um
0: it's brilliant it's so great pra- idea
1: yeah it practically it really works i mean that the last you know pretty much every album i've written is is all from the song game because th- those are the songs i write um and it's funny like some sometimes we'll you'll see like the people in the song game will come out with albums around the same time with some of the same names of the songs. <laughs> but uh, but from a technique perspective, it really, you know, the songwriting uh, is a, is like a muscle, just like anything else, that you got to exercise. And, and yeah. it gets easier and you get more proficient. And that's not to say that, you know, there is this elusiveness of, of songwriting, at least for, for me and other people I've talked to, where you feel like you're sort of just grabbing something out of thin air. You don't know where it comes from. Uh, uh, that you know you're looking for that inspiration or, or whatever. Mm. You know it, you're you're just creating something from whole cloth. But if you if you're doing it every day, um, the likely likelihood that something's gonna show up and inspire you to write the song or be the the basis for the song is you know much more likely. Just playing the odds.
0: Sure. Back to the album, yeah, it, it is a very different sound to the to the debut album. A lot more synth sound, and this is the yeah. real deal as well because you've used you've used proper gear here, haven't you? You've used the Moog.
1: Yeah, we've, I've got a couple. I guess, I guess I have three Moog synthesizers. Like you know, this is all analog gear. This is not digital. Like created in a computer. This is created with. Actual oscillators uh, that have electrical currents running through them and make sine waves, and then you, that you manipulate those sine waves with various knobs and levers. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. And I, I also have a Roland Jupiter, um, and I have an Oberheim. Um, so yeah, what you what? First of all, it, you, it allows you to be. It, first of all, just sounds awesome. They just sound better. They sound chewier and. Thicker and just like you know, like it blows your hair back when you hear some of these these sounds. Yeah, and it also may, allows you to be more creative because you're you're creating a sound that if you want to, that no one's ever heard before. That you you know you you're creating it on the spot um, to the point where I kind of have to record it um, right there and then, otherwise I'll forget how I created this sound. <laughs> like we did, we do a cover of The Police uh, speaking English new wave bands. Uh, we, we cover a police track on there called Next To You.
0: I was going to mention that, by the way, from Outlanders to More, isn't it? It's the opening track of the album. Plus, it, it was the last song they ever played live.
1: Was it? I didn't uh, know.
0: Yeah. Wow. Did, you, did you ever look at the whole album as an album for, to pick a potential cover out of? You looked through the whole lot and thought, yeah, that's the one we'll go for.
1: We the way well actually I'm going to credit our bass player, Alphonse Castillo, uh, with coming up with that idea. We had you know we had an album done, the album was written, um, but we felt like we needed one more song, and uh, we had never done a cover on an album before in any of the bands I was in. It was all originals, and I, you know, I thought you know it might be fun to do a cover. Um, David Bowie used to have covers on all of his albums. I mean, oh yeah. You know, the first two Beatles albums are half covers. Uh The first few Rolling Stones albums are a lot of covers. So I figured it's good enough for that, those guys, you know, I could do it too. So, um but we wanted to find a song that wasn't so obvious. Like, you know, if you take the police, like we didn't want to do Every Breath You Take or, you know, even Roxanne or one of their bigger hits. The idea being, let's pick a band we like, uh pick an album track, something not so obvious, and not that we're fooling our listeners into thinking we wrote it, but yeah, we're kind of fooling them into thinking we wrote it because they may, even if they know the police, they may not know this song. It's not so obvious. Um, but, you know, we, we were thinking maybe a Husker Du song or we could do a Stooges song and we just couldn't come up with one. And then uh, our bass player said, I got one next to you. And immediately we we're like, yep, that's it. Love the song. Uh, it's fast checks that box, it's got a great hook, checks that box, it's got like punk rock new wave energy. And we even like took it more new wave, we added all these synths that, you know, there's no synths in the original track. So- Did you get any
0: feedback from the police, anybody?
1: No, I think uh, Sting maybe lost my number, I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's not the best track on the album though, by the way, by a long way, you know, run and hide, getaway car, out of touch. Uh, Cowboys in Nash, all of those uh, are, are great, great um, tracks. And to do I mean, there's literally, there's barely anything that's coming in under, well, I think three, what is it, 350 odd is, or 340 is the longest track on there. There's never a moment on the album where you just think, oh, right, let's have enough of that, let's move on. Yeah, yeah we, move we were,
1: we, you know, maybe my next project will be a prog rock uh, inspired band and we'll
0: do, like, <laughs> yes, we'll do like a double album
1: with four songs on it.
0: Don Gilmore, you had, uh, producing. That was a bit of a coup, wasn't it, to actually get him a few years back. He basically just called him up and sent a demo over, and that was it.
1: That was totally. It. We we got his number. Some I don't even know how we got. It. We got it through someone who knew his his manager or something like that, and called Don up. And Don's real low key. He's under the radar. You know, he doesn't. He's he's he doesn't put himself out there like a like a Rick Rubin does or or, or like a you know, even like a Bob Rock or a, a Mutt Lang, like he's he flies under the radar, but he's a great producer um, and ha- has had great success, you know, with bands like Linkin Park. Um, so called him up, and he was just, as we as they say in California, he was chilled and he's from California uh, or actually uh, Seattle and California. But um, he, he just uh, we just hit it off right away and then. Working with him, it was it was really. I mean, the way he works, particularly for me as a singer, because you know sometimes producers can push you so hard, and y- you just get lost and you lose that uh, that the initial special something about the song, um, and and it sounds mechanical or something. And and you could do that. We've worked without producers, and th- that's the worst because musicians don't know when to stop. You don't know when to say, "Okay, we got it." We, it's We've nailed this. You don't need to keep doing it. Uh, so Don's really good at, at at knowing. You know, we we would use a lot of first takes, but usually vocal vocal wise, within three takes, he would say, "We got it." I know, I know, I know that this we're gonna put together a great take here. And so I did all the vocals, backing vocals, double track, everything. Lead vocals in six days for the whole album. We were doing, and we could have done it in half that time, but. I didn't want to blow out my voice, so I limited it to like two or three songs a day. Yeah, um, yeah. We would do that in like you know we could do three songs in less than four hours. So, <laughs> it's yeah, incredible. So I, and the other thing that w- we we kept over from the first album, the first album was during lockdown during COVID, um, and we couldn't go into a studio, we couldn't tour obviously or play any gigs, so we all. Um, have the benefit of having home studios, uh, all the guys in the band. Um, But I'm in New York, uh, drummer's in Houston, Texas, and the bass player's in Arizona. And Don's uh, splits his time between Washington State and California. So we had this brilliant idea, as I think a lot of other musicians have, let's record an album anyway, we'll just do it remotely, and you know, with uh, virtual meetings, and, and they have these programs that you can, you know, Don actually went in and he was controlling my computer from like 2000 miles away or whatever it was.
0: It's incredible, um, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, nothing beats like getting together in a room and workshopping the songs together, but it actually saved, you know, um, a lot of time. Cause I, you know, I didn't, ha- you know, instead of like blocking out a few weeks or a month or two to, to record an album in a studio, um, We would do it from home, so we would discuss, okay, we want this drum part to sound like that, and then we'd all go have dinner and, you know, come back the next day, and the drum part would be done, and then we could, like, you know, move on from there. So it it really is a good time saver. You didn't have to leave the house, got to eat, you know, my wife's cooking, which is always good, (laughs) and uh, just, you know, go up to the studio and work for four hours a day or whatever it was
0: i got to mention the videos, yes. some of which have got that very, very classic early era MTV feel. The sock puppets were brilliant yep. on Too Close to the Fire. And the TVs, I think, were the best one in uh, answer, answer in my head. And you can see it by the number of people that have viewed them. You have millions of people have, have viewed these. Uh, was that deliberate to actually produce something that uh looked at home at that in that time as opposed to something for 2023
1: yeah i mean that is uh was a big part of it we those videos were created both out of uh you know because we wanted to do them that way but also out of necessity you know especially if you think of the sock puppet video we a we didn't want to reveal our identities and b we were in lockdown so we couldn't get in the room together and shoot a video um so our drummer uh, did the sock puppet video. It's I think it, it's his and maybe his wife's hands doing the sock puppet. <laughs> and, then the uh, yeah, the TV's on our heads again was a, was a way of not disclosing our identities. And, you know, that was also during lockdown. So uh I see a breaking news secret here. That wasn't us in the video. Those were three other dudes. Brilliant. Who were like living in a bubble or something, so they, they weren't afraid to, uh you know, get together and in, in in a room and and perform that video during COVID.
0: So tell me, the the audience, who are you appealing to the most? I mean, you've been out on the road, you've been out with the Tesla, you've been out with the New York Dolls, you've been yeah. with Motley Crew, you've got the Steel Panther. Where have you got the best reaction?
1: I think you know the the, the hard rock crowds uh, seem to really dig us. Um, you know whether it's like uh, Alice Cooper or you know something a little more punk uh, like the New York Dolls. Um, the you know we're not you know it's not like we're uh, an uh, EDM band. We're not playing a residency at the at some disco in uh, Vegas. <laughs> um, but uh, and I you know the crowds, especially when you get to like. Uh, the middle of the country, like the Rust Belt and and, and the South, and we're, we're playing uh, this weekend. We're playing uh, two shows in Florida. Um, you know, those are just those are great crowds because they, you know, to to go out to uh, a show, uh, a rock show, um, is you know a big deal. There's, you know, I don't I don't want to sound like, uh, like a snob or anything, but. If you if you live in you know let's say New York or London or L A, you have a lot of options for entertainment.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, so it's you know the the if we're playing like uh, we played, uh, you know Cincinnati is a pretty great town and they have they have a lot of culture and things there too. But it's there's an excitement level um, when a when a band rolls into town and does a big rock show. Um, and you just feel that, you know, from, from the, the crowd. And that makes, you know, us as a band, when, when I go on there and we, when we play our show, I, the idea is to have every show, but like, make it feel like it's your last show. Like yeah. yeah. thing you've got, cause you know, these people pay good money. They're going out. Um, they have to maybe get a sitter or, or, uh, you know, uh, pay for parking or or whatever it is and uh it's not fair if you don't you know give them what they paid for and more so uh, so especially when you get that feedback and that buzz and that energy from the crowd uh wow i mean that's that's one of the greatest feelings in the world let me tell you
0: and lastly, then, are you, are you bringing the band out of New York and out of the U.S.? Are you taking it on to around Europe? You got any plans to appear?
1: We, do, we have something that works. I can't announce it yet, but it's going to hopefully be 2024. Um, we did tour the U.K. Uh, with my previous band, The Cringe, uh, a bunch of years back with Steel Panther. Yes. That was a, that was a blast. Those guys are nuts. Um <laughs> <laughs> but that was a lot of fun and we you know it's amazing how you know a country like uh like England you can play all these different cities and really tour the country in like a couple of weeks you know you can't yeah. you can't do that so easily in the U.S. because we're so spread out but um yeah we were you know we were Bristol one night Nottingham the other night London the other night you know up, up uh
0: yeah, yeah you played at the uh you played at the O2 in Bristol didn't you yeah.
1: And, uh, yes, and we played mostly O2 theaters that whole tour. We played the Brixton Academy um, in London, and yeah, those London crowds were great, man. We're, we're coming back.
0: Oh, well, that was Screaming Jack Novak, a.k.a. John Cusimano of Fastest Land Animal, talking recently from his home in New York City. The album, East Coast, West Coast, In Between, is out. Now, you can see them on tour live next. This May 26th at the Admiral Theatre in Omaha with Tesla. Should be a good show. Tesla, great live band. Uh, You can find details of everything on their website. And it is at www.fastestlandanimal.band. And to conclude this classic rock extra edition, we're going to close with a new track from a new band. Nazareth lead vocalist Carl Sentence and guitarist Dario Moller's new collaboration is just about ready to roll they put a new band together it's called Twilight Road and they release a brand new album called Trapped on June 9th it's out on Global Rock and Cherry Red Records and this is is the first release from that album, and it is called Trapped. Now, don't forget, keep an eye open for the next classic rock podcast. It is out in the next uh, week to ten days. And it features the legendary drummer Denny Carmassi. That's ahead of a new box set release from Gamma, the first three albums. He and that collaboration with Ronnie Montrose again. And also Robin George, who's got a new release, Ace Up Your Sleeve, coming out soon. And he is also going to be guesting. Thanks again for listening today. Hope you've enjoyed this extra edition. And to play us out, as we said, this is Twilight Road and Trapped.
2: hello and goodbye maybe this is because in Italy we live in the moment I'm a hotel in Rome and I'm looking for lovers of architecture rich textiles and decadent flavors if you want you could be sipping espresso by tomorrow morning